0: Well, last week we began this series entitled "One Another." We're kind of looking at the one another's in scriptures and the way that God has called us to love each other well. And there are a lot of ways in which Jesus uh, demonstrates that and gives us direction in God's word. We're really only taking time um, each week to we're going to look at about seven of them throughout this series, the different one another's. Because loving well is what God desires for us, uh, we chose a, a theme verse, John chapter 13, verse 34. And in this verse, Jesus told his disciples that he had a new commandment for them. And then he said this, he said, love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. Now, why was this a new commandment? When you think about it, the disciples had all known already that God had called them to love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They had already known that he had called them to love other people. So what made this commandment new? Well, the new part was that Jesus had demonstrated for them how to love each other. Jesus had clearly given them a picture through his life and the way that he loved them of that this is how I'm calling you to love each other. So Jesus told them to love each other in the same way that they had seen him do it. And so this fall, as we dive into this series and we look at different ways that Jesus uh, showed us and demonstrated for us, how to love each other, I think it helps give us more of a picture than just what we might think about when we think of certain ways to show love. We're going to go back to how Jesus not only told us to, but how he modeled showing these different aspects of love in relationship. And today we're going to look at acceptance and the, uh, the one another that says, accept one another and see how we can see uh, how Jesus demonstrated that. There's a word that gets thrown around an awful lot these days, and that word is tolerance. And I am not a big fan of that word, and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. But this word is often equated with acceptance. And so we hear about... uh, Religious tolerance and racial tolerance and gender tolerance, and it's really politically correct to be tolerant of everyone and everything in our culture today. As a matter of fact, it is not very cool to be intolerant. And so when you look at that, as a culture, we've begun to think of tolerance as the goal when it comes to how we should relate to each other. But tolerance isn't the way that Jesus showed us how to love. Jesus never demonstrated tolerance in the way that he loved. I'm sure most of you have probably seen or heard about the protests that are happening at NFL games during the national anthem over the course of the last month. And whatever your opinion may be on all of it, uh, you have to admit this this has become a really divisive issue in our culture. Everyone is strongly expressing their opinions from many sides, and I got to tell you, I had some strong opinions about it, and you know, at first I was trying to understand it, and what was really the issue here, and I found myself then being engaged with all kinds of other different opinions and thoughts that people had about this, coming from many different angles. But what I noticed as we got into this a few weeks, that I didn't really understand what the whole event was about and why people were even kneeling in the first place. And I really just wanted to hear not from some bias source coming from one side or another. I just wanted to know what was really going on and what, why people were hurting and why people, what it was that they were demonstrating against. Because I felt like I didn't agree with what was happening but yet at the same time, I didn't feel like I really even knew what the issue was on the other side that was, uh, was causing this, uh, this demonstration, this pain. What I did notice, though, was that everybody was just mad at everybody. <laughs> and that didn't seem like something that was really healthy for us as a country or as a nation as, as we were moving forward. And I believe this is one of the reasons that the racial divide still exists in our country. It's because too many people are merely tolerating others that are different from them or think differently than they do. And we miss the opportunities to really sit down and understand each other and learn how to love. And we're going to talk about acceptance today, not meaning that we just embrace things that we don't agree with. That's not at all what I'm talking about. We'll clarify that in a few minutes. But have you noticed how in our culture, everything becomes about the issue and all of a sudden the people disappear? Like we have strong opinions about an issue... But then we miss out on really sitting down with a person and understanding who they are and what's happening inside and what causes the pain that is causing them to maybe act out in a way that maybe we do or don't agree with. We just look at the action and the issue and we decide whether or not we like that. When we tolerate someone, we don't say, I love you and accept you for who you are. And as you can see, I'm a pretty white guy. Um, In the summer, I get a little bit of tan, but no one's going to mistake me for anything other than Caucasian most of the time. And so I don't really understand what it's like to walk around in our culture with a different color skin. I don't know. I've not experienced it. I can take guesses based on what I see around me and I can form opinions and develop opinions of what, as what it might be like to be from a different place and or have a different skin color or different nationality and be living in our country. But, But I don't know. Recently, I had the opportunity to sit down with some black pastor friends of mine and we just had a great conversation about this over a lot of laughs. And one of the questions I asked quite honestly is, look, I have a black son right now. Is it okay for me to say that I have a black son or do I have to say that I have an African-American son? And they laughed and we talked about how for all of them, it's okay that we're black. It's okay to say black. And so I'm saying that with confidence this morning because the conversation I just had with a few good friends about that. But it was great to sit down with them and just understand, look, they didn't agree with a lot of the ways things were being expressed in our culture either, but they just said, look, there is an issue And it's not the same. It is different when you have a different skin color in our culture. It is harder. And this is how it's harder for us. And we try to not make a big deal of it or make ourselves out to be victims, but there are challenges. There are challenges for sure. When we tolerate someone, we say, we we don't say, I love and accept you for who you are, but rather we say, I'm going to put up with you because I have to, but it doesn't mean that I like it. I'm going to tolerate you. I'm going to put up with you because I have to. But it doesn't mean that I like it. And that's not love. At best, it's trying to be polite. And maybe at worst, it's some form of passive aggressive behavior that you're acting out. But God calls us to a better way to love each other within the body of Christ. He does. To accept each other, to love each other just as he loved us. That's what he calls us to. Let's read Romans chapter 15, verse 7 together out loud. Can we read it together? It's in your outline if you haven't pulled it out. By the way, we're going to be in Romans chapter 15 all morning this morning. So if you have your Bible and you want to open to Romans 15, you can do that and follow along. Um, But we can read this. Let's read this one verse together that's on your outlines and on the screen. Romans 15, 7. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. I want to flip back to our theme verse that's also at the top of your outline. Can you bring that one up from John 13, 34? Let's read this one together again. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Let's go back to Romans 15 again. There is a point to all of this. Let's read this again. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. What is the clear message from Jesus and then from Paul? Paul. Love and accept each other just the way that I, God, I, Jesus, have accepted you. Love each other that way, accept each other that way, in that same way. What did we have to do to be acceptable to God? Nothing. We've always been acceptable to God, but we made the choice to bow a knee at the foot of the cross and to say, you be my leader, you be my forgiver, I trust in you for the forgiveness of my sins. And when we do that, we become acceptable to God through his son, Jesus. That's all we have to do. It's on that basis and that basis alone that we become acceptable before God. Is our surrendering to his love and his leadership in our lives. It's a pretty, pretty awesome thing when you think about it. So... Because of that desire to be people who learn to love in the way that Jesus has called us to love, we're going to focus on on loving well through Romans chapter 15 this morning. And God looks at us and he says this, he says, I love you for who you are and I'm excited for who you'll become. I love you for who you are and I'm excited for who you become. God calls us to love each other in that same way. And that's what true acceptance looks like. So we're going to jump in this morning. And the first point, as we look at Romans chapter 15 together, is this. True acceptance means I love you for who you are. True acceptance means I love you for who you are. Let me take a minute and just pray as we jump in this morning. Lord, I am so grateful that we are all able to gather together this morning and that we're all able to do that here this morning, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and anyone who is here today and who doesn't, uh, hasn't been able to take a knee at the foot of the cross and say, "God, would you lead and forgive my life?" I pray today that this would be an environment in which they could take a step towards trusting you with their person and with their life. We pray, God, that you would do a work in us this morning that is supernatural and, and leads us in such a way that we're able to learn how to love and we're able to learn how to love well. You come and do that work in us this morning, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So true acceptance means I love you for who you are. Love demands that we set aside all of our differences. Even though I might not like all of your opinions, even though I may not agree with everything that you're about or the way that you live your life, true acceptance means I'm called to love you and I'm going to love you. Now, I want to be clear about this this morning so everybody hears this. Acceptance doesn't mean that we have to agree with everything that another person says or does. As a matter of fact, let me let you in on a secret this morning. You will never agree with anyone 100% on this planet. And if you don't believe that, just get married, and then you'll just know. You'll just know. There is no person in this world who you will align with 100% on every issue. And sometimes it's amazing to me, even after many years of marriage, that my wife and I will be having a discussion about something that I thought, man, we are right in lockstep on this to discover that we are in totally different places on this one issue. You will never find full agreement with anyone in the planet on any issue. And acceptance doesn't mean that you have to agree about everything. But it does mean that to be like Jesus, we're called to love them. I want you to hear the dictionary definition of the word acceptance. This is what the dictionary says about acceptance. The action or process of being received as adequate or suitable. Let me translate that into what Jesus is saying about acceptance. Loving like Jesus says to another person, uh, it, this is what it says. You are adequate and suitable to be loved by me just as you are. Isn't that what Jesus said to each of us? You are adequate and suitable to be loved by me just as you are. And Jesus says, accept people like I do. So that's the message we wanna send to others is that you are loved and suitable to be loved by me just as you are. Nothing needs to change or transform in this moment in order for me to love you. I will love you just as you are. Romans 15, one through three says this, we who are strong... Must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. Now, to really understand the context of what Paul is saying here, we have to jump back a chapter to Romans chapter 14 because this starts with sensitive about these things. Well, what are these things that they were being sensitive about that they needed to be sensitive to? Paul was challenging the Christians in Rome in chapters 14 and 15 here. He was challenging them to refrain from passing judgment on each other, especially as it relates to things that are legalistic. Um, For instance, at that time, Christians were saying, well, in order to really follow God, you should eat these foods and you should not eat these other foods. You should abstain from these other foods. And that went a lot back to Jewish tradition for what God had called them to. And so here are these people who most of them, most of the church in Rome were new believers in Jesus. They were new followers of Jesus. But some of them who had been believers longer were saying, well, you need to instantly be committed to eating these things and not all these things. And what, what Paul ends up coming out and saying is that in order to love well, we need to lay back on pushing lots of do's and don'ts for others in order for them to feel accepted by God. He actually, in chapter 14, calls it a stumbling block. He said, if you put all these rules in front of people who have just learned to follow God, they're gonna think that they need to do all these things in order to be loved or accepted by God. But Paul was saying, I wanna call you back to this. The only thing that someone needs to do to be brought it back into right relationship with God is to bend a knee at the cross. And I want everyone to know, Paul said, don't get the message confused for them. They're going to think it's all about rules and religion, and it's about trusting Jesus. And I don't want them to get messed up in that message. He said, don't put stumbling blocks in front of people. Don't you think it's our tendency to want other people to see life exactly the same way we do? (laughs) Like, isn't it, wouldn't it just be so much easier if people would just think like I think and believe what I believe, right? Life would be easier for us if everybody agreed all the time. So it makes sense that we want people to practice their faith or experience a relationship with God exactly in the way we do with the same convictions and the same amount of faith and the same amount of confidence in God that maybe it took us years to develop through our own fallings and God lifting us up again and through our own life experience. But somehow we want everybody to be right where we are because it gives us a level of security Larry Osborne, who's the pastor of North Coast Church, said it this way, he said, I once thought that everybody who came to Jesus needed to come to Jesus like I came to Jesus. And he wasn't just talking about them coming to Jesus, he was talking about them growing up in Jesus, that they needed to do it just the same way he thought that, that he did. And I think there are so many issues that divide Christians that I don't believe are a primary focus for God. I don't think God's up in heaven wringing his fists nervous about how we eat differently or dress differently or have recreation differently or how we talk differently as believers or or how we enjoy or appreciate different worship styles or uh, different things like that, how we serve people in need, how we think politically. I don't think God's as worried about some of those things as we are at times. As a matter of fact, I think that there's a lot of room for growth and for expression in those areas. And I believe that God's primary focus is the mission that he came to do. And that's God's primary desire is that we grow in our love relationship with him and in loving each other well, that we learn how to love well. After all, that's what he did call the great commandment, right? When he was asked, what is the greatest way, uh, what is the the most important thing that we need to do as, as followers of Jesus? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor. All of the law and the prophets are summed up in those two commands, all of them. Jesus was saying that is the most important thing that we need to focus on. So Paul is arguing here in Romans 14 and 15 that it's kind of a sign of an immature or weak faith person if you force convictions onto someone else without giving them the room to build their own convictions through their relationship with God himself. So I want you to catch this this morning. To be strong in your faith is really to understand that God is in control. He's in control of your growth and your life and your development, and he's also working in the heart of everyone around you, drawing them back to himself. He's in control. That Jesus came to forgive you and to lead you and that in accepting Jesus' forgiveness and leadership, you aren't working more towards being accepted by God. You're already accepted by God. And you don't feel like you need to control pushing others towards making sure they're getting it all right either. You just need to encourage them towards loving God and being and letting them be loved by him. And that's the heart that God calls us to, that focus, that important focus. So Paul is reminding them that God has already accepted us. God has looks at you and me, he looks at us warts and all, and that he accepts us, and that Jesus continues to extend grace to us, loved us, and that he asks us to do the same for those around us, to give people the room to develop their own convictions out of their own loving relationship with God. So here's a great quote from our series resource, um, but before I do this quote, it reminds me, I wanted to celebrate something with you. Uh, we have two series resources for, for uh, this fall series that we're in. One is the book, uh, Love One Another, that you can pick up um, out in the lobby for, for $12. That's as cheap as we can get it for you, but I think you can get it for like 8 at other places, uh, either electronically or on Amazon, so you're actually better off to maybe buy it somewhere else than here, but that's a great resource, and many of you picked that up last week. But let me celebrate this. We ran out of the other resource, the devotional guides, because so many of you took them home last week. And I just want to say, way to go. But I also want to encourage you, taking them home is the first step. actually opening them and using them is a great second step. So if you took it home last week, way to go. Great first step. Let me encourage you, if you haven't cracked it open, uh, you can still pick one up out in the lobby. It's a great just a few moments for you to sit in God's truth, sit in his word, soak it in, and allow God to speak to you about how you can love well in your life. Just great daily reminders. If you haven't picked that up yet, you can go ahead and pick that up. Out in the lobby today, either of those resources. But let me read this quote for you. It says Accepting people impart a spirit of love and create a healthy environment for relational growth. Still, acceptance is not easy. It requires grace because people can be obnoxious. Without the grace of God, our best intentions and efforts will fall short of God's command to accept each other, to love each other. We'll be tempted to withhold the love of Christ from people who drive us crazy. (laughs) Who drives us crazy? People drive us crazy who believe different things than we believe. People drive us crazy who value different things than we value and have less value on things that are important to us. People drive us crazy who maybe our personalities are different and they rub us wrong. Without grace, we'll be tempted to withhold God's love towards others and God's acceptance of others for who they are reminding them that they're suitable and acceptable to be loved by us and to be loved by God for who they are right now in this moment. Acceptance requires that we give people room, room to be loved for who they are and to become what God intends them to be instead of making them feel forced to immediately become what we think they should be in order to be suitable to be loved by us or to be loved by God. Acceptance builds incredible trust and it makes people more willing to grow not only in their relationship with you, but in their relationship with God over time. I want you to think about this for just a minute. It's the people who loved and accepted you through some of your worst seasons that had the biggest impact on your life, right? When you look back and you think about those family members when you were in a bad spot and you were just operating poorly and living in a way that you're not proud of and there were people who loved you through that time, aren't they some of the people who had the biggest impact on your life? You're just so grateful that they were in your life. They saw more in you in that moment than what you were able to see. Acceptance requires that we give people room to grow. This is important, that we accept them without communicating a spirit of disapproval or a spirit of judgment. And believe me, hear this this morning, the people around you will sense whether they're acceptable to you or not. All the people you work with all the people who are in your small group, all of your family members, they will sense whether or not they are acceptable or suitable to be loved by you just through your actions. They're gonna know it. And when you accept people for who they are, they experience God's love and it creates an environment for them to be able to really grow. Some time ago, I spent time with a friend a few years ago who felt very unacceptable to God. And part of this was because of his own shame and guilt, some things that he had done in life that he couldn't forgive himself for. But also, another part of it was that he had never felt fully accepted and loved by the people who were close to him. And because of both of those experiences, both things he had done and ways that others had not loved him well, he had built this perception of a God that could never love him. In his own words, he was a lost cause. He was unacceptable to God. He was unsuitable. For God. See, many people in his life had merely tolerated him. And I got to be honest, he was a hard guy to love. He began to feel as though love was something that he could never experience. um, And he was never really afforded the space in those relationships with those family members to really uh, experience or develop a relationship with God that would help him know how to receive that love better. So I told him that I was really sorry after he shared with me, I was just really sorry for the picture of God that he had developed, of a God who would never be able to love or accept him because of his sin, and really of a God who would never even want to love a person like him. And in that moment, I just remember wanting so badly for him to experience something different. He had a lifetime of not being loved. And I just remember sitting there and feeling like, God, would you help him know that I love him right now? Would you just somehow let him know that he's loved and that he's valuable, that he's suitable to be loved so that, Lord, maybe he could open the door to you loving him too. When I think back on that time, I think how many times maybe in life we just tell how easy it would be to tell people, yes, your life is full of sin, Yes, you have made a lot of bad choices. Yes, you are a hard person to love. And whether we do that directly or whether we do that indirectly by the way that we treat people, it really feeds into the lie that they've told themselves for years, that they've believed that they're unacceptable or unsuitable to be loved by anyone or by God. But in that moment, God gave me enough grace to just be able to say to him, you know, Jesus came for people like you and me. Jesus came not to condemn us. He came to save us. He didn't come to point out all the reasons why we shouldn't be loved. He came to bring a message of you can be loved and forgiven and accepted. So I offered him grace and love and acceptance for who he was as best as I was able. And the beautiful part of that day was that he was able to open up the door to God's acceptance of him. It was just a crack. But it got started on maybe a new day for him that he was able to walk into in the years that followed. Romans chapter 15 verses 7 through 9 say, Therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. Underline that just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. Verse nine, he also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. So true acceptance is seeing everyone as someone that God loves, both to the Christians or in this case, the Jews who always knew about God's love for them. They were his chosen people. But also to the Gentiles, those who do not yet believe they need to experience acceptance and love from God, so that they can believe in a God who could love them that way. It's really looking at a person as someone who God created and loved. It gives, gives someone room to experience God's love through your acceptance of them. That story that I told about that time with my friend a few years back was memorable and meaningful to me. But I have to be honest, as I was getting the message together this week, I could think of a few examples just this week when I was certain that, that people in my life did not experience God's love and acceptance through me. So even though I could celebrate that story in the past, I was like, oh man, Lord, just this week I can think of multiple times when I missed it. When someone didn't feel like I accepted them as who they, for who they are, that I had not made them feel as though that they were adequate or suitable to be loved by me or by God, just as they are. My guess is that all of us could probably think of at least one or two people that that we could spend a little less time tolerating and invest a little more time into loving and accepting the way that Christ loves and accepts us. In your worship guide today, there's a little sticky heart. Can you pull that out for a second? These are for you in this series. We're going to have one in every week. They're for you to write on whatever God prompts you to write and then take it with you so that you can pull it off and stick it on a mirror or on your dashboard or wherever you'll see it and remember it this week. But I wanna ask you the question that's, that's in your outline this morning. In your life, who needs to know that you love them for who they are right now? Who needs to know that you love them for who they are? That they are acceptable and suitable to be loved by you And then maybe by God, if they can receive that from you for who they are right now. I'm just going to give you a couple minutes, just a couple moments. And I want you to think if there's someone's name that you need to write on that sticky note, as someone who you need to accept this week, show God's love through acceptance of them for who they are right now. Let's take a moment. If God leads you to or prompts you to, go ahead and write that name on your sticky note. Some of you just wrote down about a dozen names. That's good. That's really good. Speak it, Lord. We need to hear it. That's good stuff. So true acceptance means I love you for who you are. And true acceptance also means, this is number two, I'm excited for who you'll become. I'm excited for who you'll become. Many of you might know that I have six kids who are all at very different stages on their journeys. Uh, my oldest, Eric, is 19. My son, Marcus, is 16. My son, Ben, is 14. My daughter, Julia, is 12. And then I have Annie, who's five, and Andre, who's four. Both of them are about to graduate to the next age. So I have to keep those numbers in my mind. But every one of them are at a different stage in life. And one of the things that God has shown me in the almost 20 years of being a dad is that when I look at my kids, I don't just see the kids um, for who they are right now because I have had the experience and the privilege and the potential uh, or the opportunity to see my current 19-year-old and think back all the way to when he was my four-year-old or my five-year-old and to watch what God has done in his life, which is amazing, just amazing not that he's a perfect person, I just love him. And I love what God has done in his life. And I so when I see my four and five-year-old and they're laying out on the floor in full tantrum or whatever it might be, I have hope <laughs> because I can believe in the person that they're becoming even though I wanna love them for who they are right now. I also can believe in the person that God has designed them and is, is building, calling them to be. I don't just see the kids as they are. I see their potential. I see what they can become. And so that I believe that as they learn to trust God, God's going to do great things in their life. So as I look back at these 20 years of parenting and see how much they've grown up, and while each of them still has their own unique challenges uh, that I have to figure out how to love them through as a parent, I accept them, and I love them, and I'm excited for what God's doing in their life and who, for who they're gonna be. And I know that God has this plan for their lives, and that as my wife and I point them to Jesus and we continue to entrust Him to them, that God's gonna accomplish amazing things in their lives and through their lives as they walk on with Him. But the big thing that I'm aware of more than ever is that I love each of them, and I'm really genuinely excited for who they're gonna become in life. You know, God does the exact same thing when He looks at you and me He looks at His kids. And he has the advantage of knowing, because he knows what's coming. He has the advantage of knowing what we could become. And so he looks at us through the eyes of a father, through the eyes of love, and he says, you've been on quite a journey, and you've definitely had your ups and downs, but I've never stopped loving you. I accept you for who you are, and I'm excited for who you're going to become, and I'm with you on this journey. And as Paul is writing this to the Romans, he lets them in on this prayer that he has for them. And I love Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It's a great prayer. No matter what version of the Bible you read it in, this might be one that you want to write and put up in front of you this week. But it says this, this is Paul's prayer for the Romans. It's his prayer for us. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul believed in who the Christians in Rome could become and could pray this for them because this was really a part of Paul's story as well. If you don't know Paul's journey, Paul persecuted and imprisoned and even murdered followers of Jesus. He was a Pharisee, so he took pride in his ability to recite the Old Testament and obey all the laws of the Old Testament. He did all of that, and to the outsider looking in, it it kind of appears that Paul was trying to do all these things as a Pharisee in order to make himself acceptable before God and probably to others as well. But then there's this part of Paul's story when he meets with Jesus and he has this transformation. And then Paul knows after that transformation with Jesus that no matter what, no matter what he had done in the past, in his life, that he is acceptable and loved by God. And once Paul, that that experience was so powerful for Paul that once he was transformed, Paul discovered this place of hope because he discovered the person that he could become through going on a life-changing journey with Jesus, overflowing with the confident hope, the power of the Holy Spirit within him. Because once you ask God to forgive your sins and lead your life, his Holy Spirit indwells you. And if you allow him to, the Holy Spirit does this work of transformation in you. And Paul knew that that had happened in him and he knew that it was continuing to happen in him. And Paul wanted the Romans to be able to, to know that he believed in them, and who they were becoming because of this work that God was gonna do in and through their lives. You know, in order for us to fully accept people as Jesus did, we have to remember that that what people are becoming is as important as who they presently are. What people are becoming is as important as who they presently are. We can't rush people's development and growth. We have to believe in who God created them to be and who they're becoming. We have to encourage them. And that's not, uh, I don't know how it worked out in your life, but it wasn't a quick one minute microwave process in my development. It was more like a 47 year crock pot uh, slow cook that I'm still in the middle of. And that's how it is with people. Sometimes when I'm impatient with where someone is on their journey and I'm feeling like they ought to be further along than they are, it's good for me to pause and remember my own journey. You know, it's good for me to remember all of the, foolish decisions that I've made in my life. It's good for me to remember all of the stupid things that I've said along the way and all the petty and selfish concerns that have occupied my mind in different seasons of my life. You know, I don't know about you, but I still shudder when I think about my middle school and high school years and the person that I was and how I behaved in that time. (laughs) Like I like to, I think I've started to create a different memory of what actually happened in that time where I'm far more mature and heroic than uh, what actually happened in those years. The things I did and said, you know, I cringe a little bit when I think about who I was as a young husband and even my early years as a dad and even my early years in ministry Uh, I wanna share just a cringe-worthy story with you this morning, just so um, you'll really be able to understand God's grace in our lives. So I I wanna go back to my sophomore year of college. And one night I was coming into the room in my sophomore year of college and the phone was ringing. And this was back in the day when phones were still connected to a wall with a curly cord. So I ran to where the phone was, dove across the bed and picked up the phone. And on the other end was a voice that sounded like this. Uh, My roommate's name was Rob. And so the voice came on the other end of the line and said, hey, Rick, is Rob there? And me, um, you have to know, in college, I was pretty headstrong in my personality and just all out and lived life uh, kind of that way, all out. I immediately said, no, Rob's not there. Who is this? Because I thought it was somebody prank calling me. Well, it turns out um, my college roommate was dating a girl, uh, Julie, and her sister's name was Kevin. Kevin suffered from metatrophic dwarfism, which means you only grow to be about three feet tall. He spends his life in a wheelchair, and everything is underdeveloped, including his voice. Well, I knew Kevin well. We had met many times, because this was my second year of rooming with this guy. But when I came in the room that night and answered the phone, I had no idea that this was Kevin on the other end of the line. I thought it was somebody pranking me. And so after I responded that way, there was this pause on the line. You're all cringing for me. I can see it in your face. I can't believe that guy would do that. There's this pause, and then Kevin, who has a fantastic sense of humor, on the other end of the line says, Oh, nice, Rick. Make fun of the paraplegic. Go ahead. Make fun of the guy who's in a wheelchair. You going to mock me about that, too? What are you going to make fun of me about now? You going to make fun of the fact that I'm only three feet tall? He just went on this whole tear with me. (laughs) And he just... Put salt in the wound. It was, you know, I deserved every minute of it. I sat there on the bed, cringing, just couldn't believe it. I apologized to him. The next twenty times I saw him, and every time he made fun of me and laughed with me. But there was so much grace that he demonstrated for me in that moment when I was just a total idiot. Fast forward five years. I'm at a youth pastor over at Emmanuel, which was the church that launched Daybreak. This is all about the journey and how we don't really learn our lessons the way we should. I'm a youth pastor. I'm working on a big retreat. This was before internet, by the way, or internet being common. So we made phone calls to everybody in those days. And so I was in my office with Carmen. Many of you know Carmen, who used to be on staff here. She now lives in Michigan. But I'm in my office with Carmen. She's helping me make these phone calls. And um, we we are calling all these churches to be involved in, in this big retreat. And the phone rings. And on the other end of the line is a voice that says... I'm not kidding, oh, is this Pastor Rick Jacobs? And me, without missing a beat, says, oh, yes, this is Pastor Rick Jacobs. Who is this? Thinking it was one of my friends having fun with me. Well, there's a pause on the other end of the line. And Carmen likes to describe the look that came across my face of sheer horror. And she'll still cry laughing when she tells you about it as I recognized that, yeah, this this was real. Um, I had been working with a number of Asian churches that were local because they had had a separate retreat from us, and I wanted to bring the retreats together, and it just never occurred to me that maybe one of these pastors would be calling me with such enthusiasm, speaking to me in his Asian dialect. I melted in that moment, and this guy showed me so much love and grace, he just started laughing on the other end of the line. (laughs) And we just went on. We had the best conversation. He had the best conversation. I was still so humiliated and embarrassed and cringing in this moment. Um, But you think as you grow through life that you would develop and learn at a faster pace. Let me say this. I am so thankful for the grace that people showed me along the line as, as God has had me on this journey. Every so often I need to remind myself of what I once was. And how many people showed me true love and acceptance right where I was in that moment? I look back on my life, I think about my parents, my friends, youth leaders, teachers, co-workers, my wife, people in my life. Is it any surprise that God commands us to do the same towards other people, to love and accept them where they are on their journey? You know, we find it less difficult to be patient with people when we remind ourselves of where we've been One of the greatest compliments that I've ever received in ministry over the years is when people have come up to me and said, thank you for believing in me. You never gave up on me. You always saw more in me than I saw in myself. That's one of the greatest compliments because God did that through me. He believed in someone through me. And what a blessing it was for me to be able to be someone who God said, I'll accept you for where you are and I believe in who you're becoming. So this week though, As I've been preparing this message, I've been asking myself, who am I showing true love and acceptance to by telling them that I believe in them, telling them that I'm excited for who they're becoming? How powerful would it be for us to tell a friend, a small group member, someone we serve with on a ministry team, our spouse, our kids, our coworkers, a teammate, that we love them and that we're excited for, we see what God's doing in their life and we're excited for who they're becoming, that we believe in them What type of change would be possible if they felt that kind of acceptance through you? How would that help them solidify in their core that God accepts them and loves them as well? I want you to think about it for a minute as we go to this question, this last question on your outline. In your life, who needs to know that you're excited for who they're becoming? Take that sticky note out again. And if God has a name, he's speaking to you about someone in your life who needs to hear that from you in your own way, I see this in you. And I'm excited about what God's doing in your life. And I believe in you to become the person that God has has designed you to be. Go ahead and write their name down. Would you take a moment, bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love us for who we are. Thank you that you're excited for who we're becoming. Thank you that both of these truths are messages from you that ring loud and clear to us throughout scripture and that we've experienced them in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus died to demonstrate your love for us. And thank you that through his death and resurrection, we can be in right relationship with you, our creator, our loving father. Lord Jesus, I believe that you want to demonstrate your love for others through us to make your love and acceptance a reality for the people in our lives. There are people in our lives who are operating from a place of hopelessness. And Father God, you've given us the ability to infuse hope into the lives of others through loving them well. May we love and accept others in the same way that you have loved and accepted us. Do that work in us today, Lord. Thanks for teaching us how to love well. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.